So on today's pod, you are going to meet Sana and Aaliyah. This is a little bit of a pivot for us on Lean In as we're expanding our community reach even farther into TRSM. Sana and Alita are student leaders in Enactus Ryerson, a program for which I'm also a faculty advisor. And Enactus Ryerson is doing some really cool things supporting projects and student-driven ventures that make a real social and sustainable impact on our planet. And here's an opportunity to learn a little bit about more about Enactus Ryerson and the people in it. So please lean in and enjoy my conversation with Sana and Aaliyah. Okay, everybody, welcome back to the pod. Today, I have two very special people who a year ago, I didn't know either of them. <laughs> so this is quite a, a cool experience for me because I get to introduce them to you. So Aaliyah, can, can you tell us a little bit about yourself first? And by the way, welcome to the pod. Thank you, Brian, for having me. And so my name's Aaliyah Khan, and I'm, a, I'm going into my second year at Ryerson in business management, and I'm the incoming, or now I am the VP on Enactus. Excellent. And Sana, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? And welcome to the pod. Thank you. Hi guys, my name is Sana Kalon and I'm entering my fourth year at Ryerson. I'm in the accounting and finance program and within Enactus Ryerson, I'm going to be the president for the next year. Excellent. And we're going to talk all about Enactus a little bit later on, but I just wanted to first sort of start back with you, Leah. So you're in business management, you said, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So when did you know that business management was something that you wanted to do? Honestly, ever since I was a little kid, actually, I was always creating businesses like in my house. I remember I had a salon open up in my house, like my parents were my clients and like everything I could figure out a way to sell, I would do it. And then it wasn't until high school that I realized like, oh, this is called business. And then I was looking into programs just because I was so eager to go to university, even in grade nine. Honestly, from grade nine is when I decided that I did want to go to Ryerson and it was just something that I worked up to. Okay, so let's go. Let's unpack that. How did you, first of all, let's talk about the salon. You weren't cutting hair, I assume, at that, at that age, right? No, no, it was like me and my sister, like giving my mom manicures and like giving my dad a head massage and stuff like that, like super basic stuff. But I remember we, we went, we got like Vista Brent business cards. We were really professional for like being eight years old or however old we were. So, so some people are, you know, building a treehouse, but you're building a small business. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, that's really cool. Okay. So Sana, did you, do you know that accounting and, and finance was always your course in life or when did you make that discovery? Well, growing up, everybody in my family has been somewhere in the medicine side of things. And every time I would hear them talk about it, I was like, I cannot do that. Like, I don't know what other, my other options are, but don't want that to be one of them. And so then I feel like I'm kind of on the same page as Alia where I realized in grade nine and 10 that math was really like what I like to do. And then I was kind of looking into programs and I took an accounting course and I liked it. And there were only two accounting and finance specific programs in the schools that I was considering. It was either Ryerson or Waterloo. So pretty early on, I chose Ryerson because they had a really good co-op program, but I just knew that I couldn't do what my siblings had grown up doing, which was like nursing and things like that. That just wasn't for me. So I was looking at alternative routes. What was it about nursing that turned you away? Like, yeah, I mean, you're a, you're a people person, so you like dealing with people. So that's not it. What was it that you, that you just weren't interested in? Honestly, I think it was just the content. I never really like clicked with the science courses that I had to take. I didn't really find them exciting or satisfying versus when I took a math course, it was like, there's one way to get the right answer and you know what it is. So I think it was a lot more logical and like easier for me to learn and I had more fun doing it. 
yeah, that's cool. Because uh, so why did you not go into math? Like, let's say, because we have a financial mathematics program at Ryerson. I considered it, but I think it was just a matter of like career opportunities. When I was looking into it, I didn't really know what I could do with like a math degree. And I know some people who have done that and then they had to go get their master's and things like that. And I wanted, didn't really want to sign up for at that time what seemed like uncertainty to me. But I figured with a finance degree, you could do a little bit more because it's still in the business realm of things. Looking back, I know that was kind of incorrect. But at that time, that's kind of what helped me shape my decision. Actually, there's a lot of students even now in sciences and, and math and computer science that don't know what they're going to do because it's not always yeah. uh, told to them. So I could totally see how you, you would be that in space. Aliyah, let's go back to you for a second. You said that even in grade nine, you knew you were going to go to university. How, did, how come you always had that, that strong vision or that clarity? Well, so actually my family kind of came from Ryerson. Both my uncles went to Ryerson. I have an aunt who went to Ryerson and now works there. And then actually both my parents went to Ryerson in the business program and it's how they met each other. So I guess there was a little bit of Aww, maybe some like convincing so in that. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. That, so, so you were born from Ryerson. Yeah, basically. So I really knew it my whole life. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to fight my dad a little bit to like go somewhere else. But looking back, I'm really happy that I did choose Ryerson. Because it's just been the best experience, even though it's been only one year. Let's uh, talk about where you live in town. Sana, where do you live in town? I live in Mississauga. Mississauga. So it's a bit of a commute to come in. How long does it take to get to Ryerson for you? When I actually commute, like via GO train, it'll take me about an hour and 20. So adds up a bit. <laughs> Why did you say when you actually commute? Do you mean because of the COVID situation? You're not commuting right now? or what do you Oh, mean? no, I meant because sometimes I drive. My brother and my cousin... I'll go to Ryerson as well. So a lot of the times we'll carpool there because it ends up being cheaper for the three of us. And obviously when I drive, it's a lot faster. It just depends on like our schedule and, and who's going to school at what days and stuff. I see. Makes sense. Where do you park? I used to park at, I don't know the name for it, but it's the one by Ian Center just because it's the closest to TRSM, but it's also the most expensive. So I switched over to Vic Building. Oh, okay. Wow. So you're still in that area though. Okay, good. So yeah. you, okay, cool. And Aaliyah, where's hometown for you? And how long is your commute? I live in Vaughan. So my commute, depending if, on if I take the CTC or the GO train, is roughly 45 minutes. Oh, okay, so that's not too bad. That's like mine. Okay. Yeah. Um, now, a lot of our listeners, because the, the, the background sort of uh, what we're doing here, don't really understand what your day looks like, right? Like for science students, they have lots of classes and labs. How, how often are you guys on campus and how, how intense is your program, I guess, in terms of the number of hours you have to be on campus? So, Aaliyah, let's start with you. This is not going to sound very good, but I've quickly picked up on that I, would, I value opportunities more than necessarily going to class, but I would always go to class if I knew something important was going to be happening there or if it's a class that I would maybe struggle in. In terms of my schedule in the week, I don't think I had a longer week than three days and those weren't too long but I would find myself coming to campus more often just to go to any sort of networking events or like any opportunities just be around campus and be around the like be in the environment that I eventually want to work in. A lot of you know in a, in a different program that may not be as you know you may not have those opportunities as you said so yeah. why are opportunities the way you describe them so important to you as a person why do you take I, advantage of those things or and prioritize them over class i found that there's like a maybe a stereotype about business kids that there's so many of them and we're all just doing it because we couldn't 
choose something else to do. But really, I genuinely do love business. But it's true, the program has a lot of people in it. And I just wanted to find and latch on to every opportunity I have to differentiate myself. And that's honestly why I value opportunities over class, because at the end of the day, we all are graduating with the same degree. And it's a lot of us. So I'd rather have those those opportunities on my resume that I can speak to. Okay, so are you an introvert or an extrovert? How would you describe yourself? Depends on the situation, honestly. But you're, I mean, okay, so how much energy does it take you to get to, uh, 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 okay, I'm going to do a network event. Okay, like how much do you, how much like, how much do you sweat those, those situations? Uh, honestly, a decent amount. I really don't like networking events, but I met some cool people at, at them and that's why I push myself to go. But it does take a little bit of guts. It's really weird to just go talk to somebody that you have you've no idea who they are and you just have to sell yourself. So I, I remember I would like go to the bathroom or something or just give myself a pep talk and then just go start talking to people. Because if you never see them again, you never see them again. Like, <laughs> so is that, is, is that the vi advice you give yourself? Like, I got nothing to lose because I'll never see this person again. And if I do, yeah. it will work out? Yeah, exactly. Okay, cool. So would you, would you consider yourself a good student? No, not, not because you're not going to class or otherwise. Would you consider, how are you doing in school though? Are, are you getting good grades or good enough for you? I mean, I thought university was going to be a different, like I knew it was going to be harder than high school, but I thought it would be a lot harder. But I think I figured out a way, a balance between my personal life and working and school that really helped me excel in getting those opportunities, but also going to class and getting the grades. Awesome. Okay. Sana, what about you? How, what does a day in the life of an accountant and finance student look like? Not too different. I'm usually forced to be on campus three days a week because of classes. I think on average, I only have like 15 hours of class a week, but I'm kind of on the same page as Alia, especially in my first few years at Ryerson, I was coming down a lot more just because I wanted to take advantage of everything that we have on campus. I was doing a lot of case competitions. I was going to networking events. Those definitely scared me and still do. And also like, I just end up having a lot of meetings and things for our student group. And so I do end up coming at least four days a week, but it just depends on like what the week is looking like for the team most of the time. And what would you, how would you just class yourself, introvert or extrovert? I think it takes me a little bit of time to warm up to people, which is why I think I used to think I was an introvert, but I don't really find it hard to like to meet new people and like networking events. I've gotten a lot more comfortable with it. So I think I'm growing into a more comfortable version of myself, if that makes sense. So I think I'm getting to the extrovert side, but I'm not there yet. <laughs> So what would you, what would you, what piece of advice or what tip would you give somebody about networking events and, and how to approach them so that, that they become more comfortable? I would say to go in prepared. I feel like especially within your first, when you're a first or second year student, you just go and try to make conversation. But it's really important to do your research on the people who will be attending and see if they're who you need to be speaking to to get to where you want to go and kind of have some plan of what you want to tell them about yourself that will make you stand out because they talk to so many people and if you just go in and have like a regular day-to-day -day conversation it'll kind of just go in one year and out the other and so I've started to like do research on who's coming and plan what I'm going to be saying accordingly. That's smart I mean we tell people that too right have a have a goal or an outcome yeah exactly something in mind before you go and then you just can reach out easier. All right let's let's sort of shift a little bit what has been the most, and, and Sana, we'll stick with you here. What has been the most challenging thing in your Ryerson undergraduate so far? I want to say for me, it's been finding a sweet spot of basically maintaining a balance. I guess, as you both know, I'm pretty involved within like the Ryerson and Octus community. So this does take up a lot of my time, but you also 
do need to remember that we're students and oftentimes that's something that I forget, especially considering what I want to do with my future. Um, I do want to go to school afterwards, so I, I really have to place emphasis on my academic. It's just hard to get myself motivated enough sometimes because I want to be doing the work that I'm passionate about and sometimes my courses aren't that. And so it's just making time to study while making time for these interests so I don't miss any opportunities, but also making time for myself. And I think that kind of time management is something you learn as you go, but it's like a constant struggle for me. Fair. Okay. And so Leah, what is it, what's been your most challenging thing so far? I'm a little bit on the same page with Sana, kind of finding something that I'm really passionate about and thinking about what I'm going to do after I graduate. Just because, again, like I was saying, there's so many people that graduate from this program and I really don't want to get stuck doing something that doesn't bring me joy every single day. So, okay, so let's go back to that. So, Sana, you said you you, you want you see yourself doing some sort of academics after this. What, what do you have in mind? I have like two options in mind. I don't know how realistic they are just yet, but there's a master's finance program at McMaster that I really like and they offer co-op and I just know that like I did some research on the jobs that you can get with that degree and there's just a lot more opportunities. I've also been looking at the CFA, which I'm kind of hesitant about because it is really, really difficult. I know a lot of people who have attempted it haven't been successful or it's just taken a lot of time of theirs, but I think the CFA would be my ultimate goal. I just don't know if it's 100% what I'm signing up for just yet because I know it's a lot of time and commitment to get through that test. And CFA is Chartered Financial Accountants. Now, what does CFA stand for? Canadian? Um, chartered Financial Analyst. Analyst, okay. Yeah. Cool. So, Aliyah, you, you, from, from your almost birth, you knew you were going to be an entrepreneur slash somebody. So what do you, why wouldn't you want to just leave this university and start your own business? What, what's your trepidation about that? I have always been thinking about just starting my own business because every single day I probably think of 20 new business ideas and write them all down. But I feel like I wouldn't feel very fulfilled if all I did was start a bunch of businesses. And truly what I want to do with my life is help people. And I don't know how that sounds, but I really just want to put my life to use and, and help other people. So what I've been thinking of is potentially law school or using this business degree to create some sort of not-for-profit. Those have just all been ideas that are lingering around. That's cool. Law school uh, doesn't always help people. <laughs> the law yeah. doesn't always help them, which is good. And, uh, but, you know, like, I guess the value of a business is that you are fulfilling either a product or service that is needed. So wouldn't you be helping people no matter what sustainable business you came up with? I guess. I, I think I'm thinking more in the maybe philanthropy side. It kind of came from my mom. She was really a human rights activist and she always preached that to me and my sisters growing up to just put other people first and always help people. So I guess in that sense, that's sort of the helping thing that I'm focusing on. Okay. So you want to change the world. You want to, you want to be an advocate for people. You want to, okay, I got it. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Okay. So what has the been so far? I mean, the thing you're most grateful for at Ryerson. So what has sort of, you know, filled your cup the most, I guess, in terms of your decision to come here? And Sana, we'll start with you. Well, as I mentioned, I came here because it was a specific accounting and finance co-op program. Not many other schools have that, but I realized that's like, that wouldn't be my answer to this. I think it's genuinely our student group, Enactus, because I think what Alia was saying earlier kind of resonated with me where all these students graduate with like, the same degree and I joined the student group as an opportunity to you know like boost my resume get a finance associate role on it 
and just look good in quotation marks but actually being on it I've realized that there's so much more that I can actually do with my education and I think when you think business student you think like big corporations and they're not necessarily going to act ethically but so far with my time at this organization I've learned that I genuinely can make change with the knowledge that I'm that I'm learning and like it's just something that I want to share and so I think I always tell people this story, but my frosh leader is the person who actually made me join this student group. She kept talking about it. And I was like, okay, fine. Like I, if you say so. And I think that's what I'm like super grateful for is making that connection with her because she was president of that year and just getting involved with, with it the way that I have. And who was your frosh leader? It was Sabrine Gosel. She was president in 20, I think 16 and 17. Okay. Very cool. And we're going to come back in and ask this in the next set of questions, but Aliyah, what would you say you're most grateful for at Ryerson? I think I'm most grateful to myself that I put myself in really uncomfortable situations because a few years ago, I would have never expected myself to do the things that I'm doing today. And if it wasn't just for me stepping a little bit outside of my comfort zone and, for example, like joining Enactus and joining these other student groups, going to networking events, I wouldn't have made the friendships that I made, the connections that I made, and just had the experiences that I had that made me realize that I'm really capable of so much more than I used to think I was. Awesome. Putting yourself out there. Do you still have your uh, business cards from your hair salon or the one that you and your sister made? You remember when you said you made Vista business cards? <laughs> I feel like we might have them around the house, but I'd have to look. Because the problem is I, whenever I make, do you have business cards now when you go to networking events? Not currently, but I have to make them again. <laughs> yeah, you should. But one of the things I realize is that whenever you get business cards made, you'd always get like 500 or 1,000 and you'd never run out of those things. So they're stashed somewhere in your house, I'm sure. You just yeah, gotta dig I them up and find them. All right, let's, let's talk about Enactus and, and uh, your roles. Sana, you're the, the president of Enactus right now. Aliyah, you're the vice president. Then you're gonna, I think, share the role next year. And then Aliyah, the, the goal, long-term goal vision was to have you emerge uh, as president down the road. So tell us, let's, let's start with Sana then. Let, tell us what Enactus is in your own words and why you think it's such a powerful organization. Well, Enactus is a group of right now, I would say 50 or 60 students who are learning about entrepreneurship and leveraging their knowledge to make some type of change with something that they're passionate about. So it usually covers something socially, environmentally, or economically. And the way that it operates is right now, I believe we have like six or seven projects, each with a different project manager, all working to improve something in a community that they're passionate about. So Enactus has these projects. How does Enactus support those projects? What the projects receive, receive from being a part of the Enactus Ryerson umbrella um, is a lot of support overall. Uh, for example, we have faculty advisors, you included, who have a much bigger network and a lot more knowledge than any of us would because we're still in school and we're still learning versus you guys have been in the industry and have learned by doing. And so the biggest thing I would say is you have a lot more connections and a lot more opportunity to network with people, whether it's internally with Ryerson or with our external partners as well. So there's always some form of support there as well as of course financially we would take care of the we take care of the budgets of these projects and kind of support them in in their hard decision making when it comes to purchases or even things like hiring a team it's just i, I want to say we're supplying them the tools to become the most efficient startup that they they could does that make sense yeah no it's perfect and but and so the other question that i had asked originally was what has enactus given you what why is it so powerful to you i think it's just taught me that that we are all capable of making change. I think growing up, 
like in high school, I would be like, wow, that person is so awesome. Um, they're so hardworking because they're doing something, I don't know, at their local community to try and help out. But I'm realizing that it's genuinely not that hard for everybody to do it. And it just takes like one person to spark an idea. And a lot of people quickly get in on it. Everybody wants to be a change maker or a leader, if that makes sense. And if you're given the right tools, anybody can really do it. And I think that's what I learned out of this organization is that I don't have to like look at people on the sidelines and watch them do it. I can actually do it, which is something that I never would have expected. Like grade 11 me would have never thought that, but it's just, I think it's like made me realize my potential, if that makes sense. And the potential of those around me as well. Perfect. Leo, how would you define Enactus in terms of how it impacts people? And then what has it taught you the most? Enactus is a group of what I like to say is like change makers who are really just working towards solving issues that they're passionate about, like Sana was saying. The way it impacts people, I guess Sana really covered this well, but the people, planet, profit sort of thing, what our projects focus on. And then how it's impacted myself personally, it's really showed me what I'm capable of doing. And also it's helped me, I feel, just become a better person because of the people that you're surrounding yourself with, ev everyone who is in an actus is, is like-minded in that they mm -hmm. are really passionate about solving issues. And being in that environment, I feel like you wouldn't understand it until you're in it, but it's, it's the, the dynamic that we have is just so amazing. And, and it just amazes me that we're all students who put time aside from school to do this and we're really capable of making change. And so, and we've had this conversation in a previous uh, meeting when we talked about differentiating from the zones that are on Ryerson. I think that's probably the biggest thing that I've noticed is that the zones typically embrace ideas where you folks embrace the people first because the ideas come kind of after the people are there. Because like you said, it's a collection of change makers who really don't have an idea of what they're, how they're going to do it, but they eventually come up with one because they're surrounded by a lot of cool people. And then the other thing that I've noticed too that's, that's quite differentiating is that you have such a big national and international brand. So you have some connections to not just faculty advisors, but a lot of the, the banks and, and Bay Street and companies around Canada know who Enactus is because they many of them have alumni in their programs. So quite a big international brand too, but definitely that focus on people, which is why I really like being a part of it. What do you think needs to change, Sonal? What do you think? We, I mean, this was an interview question for you, but as you embrace both being a change maker and a leader, what do you, where, where do you see Anacus having to, to pivot to be more impactful? I feel like I can't really speak on Anactus, the organization, like Anactus Canada. Locally, I think I can talk more about what we can improve on right now. I don't know if this really answers your question, but it's what's coming to mind. One thing our specific chapter can, uh, can improve on a little bit is I want to say being on the lookout for opportunities and trying to stay one step ahead. I think when you have a really supportive team, which we have in the past, you kind of get used to opportunities being handed to you. But I think work just gets done better and faster if every leader is, I, I want to say constantly on, even though I know that's a really un, unreasonable expectation, but I think like always looking for opportunities on campus or off of campus. Like these days I have some of our team members sending me things on LinkedIn saying like, hey, you should check this out for this project. And I just think that's really cool. But if everybody collectively did that on the organization, I really think we would be a few steps further. So I think just taking initiative. And obviously that's hard to do. Like I said, we're students and like we do have lives to balance. And so just finding like a sweet spot for the whole team there, because there's 
there's a lot of companies and a lot of people who would love to work with us who just don't know we exist or don't know what we're working on at the moment. And so just getting like our, our message out there as much as we can. Actually, that, that's perfect. It segues to my next question for you. So since I've been a part, I noticed that a lot of, I've, I've been pitching it in, in, school, in class and now we have nutrition students and science mm-hmm. students that are also part of an actus that I don't think were there before because largely it's been a TRSM sort of program. What would be your pitch to the students across campus to say why they should join an actus? I think all the other students, not that we aren't, but the other students on campus are extremely creative. Like the engineering students are able to come up with solutions that I personally would not be able to think of, or the science students as well, the arts and designs, like they all, they all have skills that I personally don't because I'm just taught different things and my skill set is different, which is fine. But if I were to talk to them about an actus, we are essentially going to show you I want to say like the business side of things to support your creative ideas, because I know like, for example, engineers are able to come up with solutions because that's what they're taught, but they might not be taught how to support those ideas. So it's kind of like bringing both ideas together. And I think that's what entrepreneurship is. It's a mix of creativity and it's a mix of the business aspect of things. Not saying one individual can't have both, but a lot of the times it's easier to have an expert on both ends and then make them work together. And I think that's what our organization aims to do is to bring like these talented people together. Perfect. And Leah, what would you say needs to change sort of in Enactus locally or what would you like to see change and how it could be improved? For Enactus Ryerson, I think if we all commit to becoming more innovative and more creative and more out there with our ideas and not being afraid of whatever feedback we may get, that would really help us set our chapter apart from the other ones. I, I've only been on an access for one year, but I kind of felt a tone that maybe people were playing things a little bit safe or just doing what they've known all the other years that they were on an access. But in our time, I really want to just shake it up and, and make people less afraid to tell us their most craziest ideas and hopefully get a project out of it. Perfect. And so what would be your pitch to get all of those, those big thinkers, those risk takers uh, involved across campus in Enactus? I would say the community that you get with Enactus is honestly priceless. The people really this year have helped me shape, like it, it was really the highlight of my first year experience. And seeing as we all were not business students, that also really played into it. There's just so much you can contribute when there's so many people from different backgrounds. And I think not only would you benefit from having such a diverse community, but obviously as a whole, we would benefit. Perfect. And yeah, that's another thing I I forgot to mention too, that's quite differentiating is that you build teams, right? Like the the idea of an actus at Ryerson anyway, forges these teams. And and so you don't have to come with an idea. You can just want to be a part of a team and Mm -hmm. can play any sort of supportive role. So it's another cool thing. Okay. So now we're going to switch gears a little bit, less technical stuff. And we're just going to drill down a little bit more about you. And so these are some fun rapid fire type questions just to get to know you a little bit. Now, of course, as we already mentioned, it's quite a strong community in Actus. So maybe you can surprise us with some of your answers, but let's start with the first one. So what factoid do my colleagues know least about me or your peers? And obviously something you're willing to share. Aliyah, do you know what fact about you that your peers would know least about you? I, I honestly feel like I'm an open book. I mean, something really random is I sprained my left ankle the same time around the same place five years in a row 
So that's something uh, of interesting. <laughs> it also sounds like it's going to be a chronic issue when you get older too. <laughs> I've been building, I've been building the strength up, so it's actually pretty, pretty okay now. <laughs> All right, so five years, five sprains, same ankle. Okay, that, yeah. that's good. Don't tell us which ankle, or, or it'll be like your Achilles heel, and everybody. Back to you, Sana. What do you? What? Uh, what fact do you appears at least about you? Okay, I guess I really am an open book because everything I come to, that comes to mind, I'm like, people know this. We'll come back to it because I've got some other questions that may be able to probe into this as well. All right, so Sana, sticking with you, what's your favorite food? I like Mexican food, I, but I'm pretty sure everybody knows that. That's like that's quite, fine. Okay. okay. What kind of what's your what's your favorite Mexican food item within that category of food? I really like tacos. Hard or soft shell? Soft, always soft. I've never actually had a hard one. They just don't seem like they would go really well. Oh, they're so good, but they're so messy. Do you, do you like yeah. nachos? Sorry. Do you like nachos? No, I actually don't. That's like my least okay. favorite thing to order, yeah. Then you probably will not like hard tacos. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you just stay away from them. Same family, yeah. Because <laughs> once you bite into a hard taco, essentially it becomes nachos. Yeah, it <laughs> seems like it kind of falls apart, yeah. Yeah, it does. Okay, so soft tacos. Aliyah, what about you? What's your favorite food? Honestly, my favorite food is this Lebanese dish. It's called fetouche, and it's a combination of like hard and soft chickpeas and this yogurt called lebnet and you eat it with pita bread and it's just so good like I'm like salivating thinking about it hope you've had lunch okay <laughs> all right so Aliyah sticking with you what is your favorite hobby a tie between painting and playing guitar like hands down okay so it's an even tie so okay guitar what kind of music do you play mostly flamenco I just find it so fun it's like fast oh, really? and yeah do you, do, you, do you dance? Like, so you're actually, is it a six string or a 12 string guitar? Six string. Okay, so you are you pretty good then? You've been playing the guitar for a while? Yeah, I've been playing since grade five. Wow, because I know a lot of people who play Spanish guitar, but it's, I think it's 12 string. And oh. man, do they ever, does, does it ever sound amazing? And they do do flamenco and a lot of different fast paced sort of, sort of music. Anyway, if you yeah. ever get a chance to go to uh, Sevilla, Sevilla, Spain, it's fantastic because it's got a rich history of like Moorish, like Islamic history from the 12th century when it used to be part of the Islamic Caliphate. And so the, all the architecture is amazing and it's really heavily influenced the culture of that part of Spain. And it's, well, this time of year you would melt. It's like super hot. It's practically a desert, but it is amazing. If you ever get a chance to go to Sevilla, Spain, one of my favorite That's places. That's so cool. I've never heard of it. <laughs> And the Spanish food is actually, well, have you ever noticed? So in Spanish to speak is hablar, like hablar. Like they literally mm -hmm. have that same sort of Arabic sound in the way that they, most of their words are formed. And that's mm -hmm. just because of the history of, of that part of the continent. It's really quite, quite interesting. Anyway, but and Spanish food is one of my favorite. Okay, so, okay, so guitar, you play Spanish. What is the, in terms of painting, what kind of painting do you like to do? I'd say it's a mix of completely like abstract like dabbling into realism but one thing that's been consistent is portraits i just love painting faces so realism that's dolly's time realism as in it looks more realistic honestly oh okay 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 i see awesome yeah all right so sana over to you what's your favorite hobby i just want to like point this out my favorite hobby used to be playing the guitar as well but i stopped playing and now i can only do like a few songs but ali i had no idea you played so that's pretty cool oh wow i started playing in grade five as well but i think right now this is like kind of a weird hobby but currently i'm into embroidering and doing nails i've started to learn how to do that 
and like my goal is to make money off of it but the reason that I stopped playing the guitar is because my nails were always done and you can't play with long nails and so it kind of like canceled each other out which sucks but I like so, doing this it's, yeah, yeah I was gonna say you actually have fantastic nails and I was gonna comment on that because they show up when you talk I don't know how <laughs> if you deliberately do it or somehow your camera <laughs> angle is close to your keyboard and I remember seeing your nails actually I was like whoa those are amazing so and, and we know that we know that Leah actually used to have a company, so she could probably help <laughs> help, help help realize that dream on the side. And, yeah, yeah. And see, we already figured out that you didn't know that you both play guitar, so that's pretty awesome. Yeah, Look nice. at that. We're unpacking everything here. We're learning about <laughs> each other. Um, okay, so what is your most protective productive time of day, Sana? Oh, nighttime. I From think it's because I have a big family so whenever they all go to sleep after like 10 p.m to 3 a.m that's when I get everything done which is really inconvenient because that's not when the world operates but personally that's what works best 10 to 3 okay so how big is your family in total there's six of us but I live really close to my cousins so a lot of the times they're in and out as well of my house and they're all just everyone's really loud and talkative which I love but it's just really hard to like study at those times yeah, or do anything productive yeah. that people are showing at you, yeah? Okay, crazy. So how has this COVID situation been for you then? Because you would have the advantage of, I guess, not having to travel or commute, depending on where you were going. But but then how, with this family stuff, how do you get anything, you know, like 10 to 3, I guess, is the only time you get anything done? Yeah, well, my parents still work, which is, I guess, selfishly good for me because it quiets the house down a little bit until like 3 p.m. So the mornings aren't too bad because my brother's sleeping anyways, but like four to seven is a little bit of or eight is a little bit of a write-off like if I have meetings I have to tell everybody like do not enter my room please don't talk I'm on a call although it ends up happening anyways and so it's just a lot of like me closing my door and hoping nobody will interrupt me at those hours but the mornings aren't horrible nighttime is obviously the best for me but yeah making it work wow. I would yeah good for you good for you okay over to you Aaliyah what's your favorite most productive time of day sorry that's actually funny because for me, it's the same reason as Sana, but it's a completely different time. My my most productive time to work is like seven to maybe one-ish. Like I find in the morning, obviously, um, I find that that's just the house is really quiet. Both my sisters sleep in and my dad is also working from home. So the house is, is generally quiet at that time and I can really focus right when I wake up. And, that's, and I'm the exact same way. Exact same way. That's a great time. All right. So next question, we'll, we'll stick with you, Leah. What famous person, current or otherwise, would you most like to go to, to a dinner with and why? There are no right answers. Just like the first thing <laughs> that comes into your mind. Okay. The first thing that came to my mind was Amy Winehouse okay. because I grew up listening to Amy Winehouse. My mom really loved Amy Winehouse and I remember we would always listen to her. And, and like now that I'm older, I started reading up about her life and everything. And I would just like to have a conversation with her and just know about her because I feel like musically she was really really gifted really talented I thought I thought she was fantastic too so I love great choice great choice Amy <laughs> and so what would be the question you'd like to ask her what would be the first question you'd ask her so because of course we know that Amy Winehouse died so what would you what would be the first question you'd ask her I'd ask her where she drew inspiration from because her sound was kind of different but similar in some ways to like other music styles so I'd really just like to know where he got inspiration from yeah it must have been blues or jazz or something yeah of, right because the way she speaks things yeah awesome okay so son over to you what famous person current or otherwise would you most like to go to dinner with and why 
I feel like my answer is really different than yours, but the first person that came to mind was Malala Yousaf. And I think it's just because we come from like the same place. We're both Pakistani, but I see what she's done for like, for basically like our people, like for women in that country and like for female education. And it just takes a lot of courage. And so I think just like having that conversation with her, I think would be so cool because it really is against, like she really went against the grain there and like stood up for what she believes in. And I think that's like, that's really cool. What would be your first question of her? I guess what what does she want to do next? Because I know she I know she's done a lot so far, but she's so young. I'm pretty sure she's my age or just a few years older. And so I would I think she would have plans to continue going with this this streak of things and and just see like what what she was anticipating, what her next goal was. I I would ask her how, she, and that that's a great 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 question. I would ask her how how she could get through the fear of her yeah. own being threatened in her life, right? Like mm-hmm. uh, how many death threats has she had? Thousands, millions, like what, what would the number be? Like, and to get through that, to put, to persevere oh, yeah. despite that, it's crazy. Good, 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 good answers, good answers. Okay, so we'll stick with you, Sana. Complete this sentence. If I was not a finance student at Ryerson, I would like to be. I was actually talking to my cousins about this the other day. We were like, if you didn't choose your program, what would you choose? I think I would have chosen law because not that I still can't do it, I guess, but I think one, I'm very good at like, I think getting my my point across, not in arguments, but in debates and things like that. I think I'm a good vocal person and I want my work to be meaningful. And I really see that realm of things giving me that opportunity. Like you said earlier, it's not always the case, but I think that's where I would want to take that role. So if I wasn't a finance student, I think I would be a law student, maybe. And that's now both of you have mentioned law and I can see you both being very effective at winning debates. All right, over, over to you, Aaliyah. If I was not a business management student at Ryerson, I'd like to be. An architect student. <laughs> I was thinking about this, like I was so serious about switching my major, <laughs> but obviously didn't do that. I think I just really enjoy, I always enjoyed math. So that wouldn't be too difficult. Plus the whole, creative side of designing buildings that is just so interesting to me so are you guys like the same person like <laughs> like like what the, what kind of, you're literally using different giving the same answers for different questions like it blows my mind <laughs> so you really love math i heard that before earlier on this interview too this is hilarious okay that's awesome though and i and i'm i haven't pitched this idea to enact this but i have a business where we're trying to commercialize new windows for buildings that would be photovoltaic anyway not not an issue to go into this <laughs> podcast with but it would it would maybe cure all of your woes and have a little bit of architecture a little bit of math a lot of finance anyway uh, we'll talk about it later um okay so all right that's awesome okay so you'd be an architect so sticking with you leah then what is or who was is was your favorite role model Honestly, my mom, she really shaped on the person that I am today um, and made me not afraid to just go for things, stick up for what I, I think is right, what I'm passionate about. And yeah, she's, she's always been my role model. And of course, you told me during your interview that your mom passed away when you were in grade nine, um, but I'm, I'm certain she'd be proud of you too. Thank you. All right. So. Over to, over to you, Sana. So who is your favorite role model? Who is or was? Um, mine is just, uh, I feel like this answer is really different, but my sister is three years older than me. And 
it's not my sister. I I, I don't want to like diss her, but yeah, it's not my sister. It's actually <laughs> not that I don't look up to her, but specifically in terms of like seeing somebody do what I want to do is one of her best friends. She like my sister always says that we have a we're basically the same person. We have the same interests and where she's been involved in student groups like this um, when she was doing her undergrad. And so I think I've always just looked up to her for inspiration because we have the same um, work ethic. And I got to know her really well because we played sports together. And she kind of pushed me into always wanting to do more because I saw her succeed and like do so well throughout her undergrad. And now she's pursuing her master's. And I'm like, wow, like we really are very similar. And I see myself following your footsteps. So we've grown pretty close. And what is her name? Let's give her a shout out. Her name is Ay- her name is Eamon Nawaz. She she's doing her or I think she just finished her master's at U of T. But she's just somebody that I've always kind of looked up to. She has a really good work ethic. Awesome. And what sports did you guys play when you were when you were younger? Well, we played together in high school. Um, I played sports for all of high school, but there was a varsity lacrosse team that sh- we were both on at the same time, and varsity flag football as well. Yeah. And I guess based on your nails, you do not play lacrosse anymore. <laughs> no, and when I do, when I know I'm playing sports, I keep them shorter because I get really sad when they break. <laughs> Actually, I was thinking you for lacrosse, you could make them into like some sort of adamantane Wolverine type thing where you could actually really do harm. Because one of the things I've noticed <laughs> is that women's sports, when they get competitive, are can be quite like vicious. Like it can really be like blood sport almost. And yeah, those nails could do that. That I could definitely really help me out. Yeah, <laughs> people wouldn't get too close to you when you have the ball, right? <laughs> okay, so, all right, so I think I have one last question in terms of your, you're young, you may not have a bucket list yet, but what would be, if you know what a bucket list is, of course, what would be one of the top 10 things in your bucket list? And we'll stick with you, Sona. I really feel like this is a more of a basic answer, but that's fine. Mine is would be to travel. I haven't traveled as much as I would have liked to so far. I have gone to a few places, but I really think you learn a lot about different cultures and just meeting new people when you get to go to new places. And I just want to see more of the world, honestly. So I guess traveling, I know that's not well, super unique, but... No, it is. I mean, a lot of people do want to travel, but I think you're right. You learn a lot about culture, but you, you get to, you learn a lot about yourself and you get to check your blind spots, right? Because too often we live in our little bubbles and we get too comfortable with that. Exactly. Aliyah, what would be in your top 10 of your bucket list? Um, it's actually funny you say that because I have a bucket list and it's on my phone and I pulled it up. Um, some of the stuff here though is like really questionable. I don't know why it's on my bucket list. <laughs> but, um... We're putting you on the spot right now, making you check your blind spot too. <laughs> <laughs> but something I really do want to do is work with women who don't have access to higher education and just empower and support them to get to that point of higher education. Uh, It's obviously something that my mom instilled in me and that I've been trying to work towards myself. So if honestly, that would give me like the most fulfillment ever if if I could accomplish that. Awesome. Great stuff. Okay. So what, uh, one one more question I lied. So Aliyah, you're only going into your second year, right? Mm -hmm. Or third year? Yeah. Okay. So this, this question is, this question is going to be a little bit weird for you so you can rephrase it. I, the question is what piece of advice would you give your second year self? So <laughs> that would be retrospective. So maybe what piece of advice would you give your first year self? Okay. I guess kind of like what I was telling you about what I'm most grateful for was just stepping out of my comfort zone. Maybe I would like give the same advice, just be more ambitious than I was even this year. Cause you really never know what, what will come out of just, just going for something. Yeah. And you, you, what you do when you are ambitious, you create opportunities too, right? 
you'll yeah, just take advantage of them. You create them. So that that's a, a cool thing to say. Yeah. And son, over to you. What would be what piece of advice would you give your second year self? I think mine would be to invest in myself. I feel like I am doing that by putting myself in these situations, like the student group and trying to excel academically. But I think it's something that I've only recently started to do is like prioritize myself and self growth. And like I said, like pursuing even nails is like something that I wanted to do. It's something I wanted to do for so long, but just never really made the time. And now that I'm finally doing it, it's so, I feel like it's kind of rewarding. And so I think just making time to focus on myself rather than spreading myself thin for like other people or for other causes. Yeah. And I think that's good. It's a good loop uh, or good connection with self-care because mm-hmm. as you both should know, and I would caution you both, cause I know you both do a lot. You cannot pour from an empty cup. So you need to be able to find that balance and, and really self-care is the, I think the right way to describe it, whatever that looks like, cause it'll be different for everybody. Aliasana, this has been awesome. You guys have been awesome. I, I've got like 10 other questions. We could do this all day, but we're not going to do that because it's a beautiful day outside and I want you to enjoy the rest of it. And I just really want to thank you for taking this time and sharing your story with us because I, I know everybody will appreciate it. Thank you so this much for having so cool. us. Yeah, I, yeah, I really enjoyed this. And don't forget to tell your Anactus friends because it'll air probably on Friday of this week. And so oh, they cool. can get to know you a little bit better too. And maybe we'll start a band. That's so cool. (laughs) (laughs) All right, ladies, have a wonderful day and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much. You too. Bye. Bye. Bye.